Welcome to the All in a Homeschool Day podcast. If you're like most of my listeners, you too wear many hats and you have a lot of demands on your time. It's difficult to juggle it all as a homeschool mom, and it's easy to be overwhelmed by everything you need to do. This show is not about finding the right curriculum or doing all the right things. It is about helping you focus on the best for your homeschool and your family. Let's dive in. I'm excited to talk with Robin James today. She has some experiences over the past couple of years that um, have such a great message for us and a good reminder. So Robin, I want to start just by welcoming you to the show and then asking if you'll just tell us a little bit about your family and about your homeschool journey. Yeah, hi. Uh, Good afternoon. Um, So I am married to Mark. Uh, We've been married for, gosh, 17 years. Um, I can't believe I'm old enough to say that. So, (laughs) and uh, right, we have uh, four kids. So uh, Benjamin is our youngest and he's nine uh, and Grace is 11. Uh, She'll be 12 next week or two weeks. And, uh, and then Melody's 14 and Charlie's 16. And um, they've homeschooled uh, since 2001, since uh, 4th of July weekend of 2000, I'm sorry, not 2000, but 2009. Um, and so we, uh, we started that journey, um, and I can't believe it's been 10 years now. It's, it's hard, hard to believe that I've done anything for that long, be married and <laughs> in school. It flies by. It's and then you have that look ahead of how short your time with your kids remaining in your, wait, it didn't come out right. How short the time is with your kids still in your home. Yes. And it puts it all in perspective. It, it does. You know, with uh, Charlie as a sophomore, he's, he's somewhat finishing up his sophomore year. And we, you know, we really consider just how quickly he can be gone. And, uh, you know, I think back to when, you know, there was a time when I was having babies, you know, my, our kids are about two years apart. And I kept thinking, ah, God, you know, I just, I'm so tired of having babies in me or on me. <laughs> right. and, you know, will I ever be out of this season? And now I look at those moms who are in that season and it's just so precious. You know, I just think, Oh, mama, you'll survive. <laughs> you know, I know it seems hard, but you'll survive. Um, and yeah, going through the stages, I'm I'm looking forward to the stage when they start to like me again. You know, we've kind of moved into this stage of of you know teenagers and and tweens. You know, where they have an opinion and uh, they have the ability to slam doors, and <laughs> you know, and uh, it's it's. Um, Different, different when you're not the most favorite person, you know, in their eye anymore. So, and having, having such a wide range of, of kids has really um, thrown in. Um, this past year, I realized that my nine-year-old lives a schedule of a 16-year-old. Mm, yeah. And, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's it, you know, he's, he's the one who has the most pressure, you know, at 16, uh, the oldest, the first, you know, he's going through everything we're learning. And, um, and he's the guinea pig. He's the guinea pig. 
So. I was just talking with, with a mom yesterday about how, you know, you, your first one, you, you find your groove, you think you know what's going on, and then the next one comes along, and they are totally different. And then if you have more kids, yeah. each successive one is totally yeah. different. And it, so there's not one solution for everybody. There's not. And it's, you know, it's... Um, it's that kind of thing when you think you've got it. I'm like, I think I've got it. I think I'm doing really great here, you know. And, I, and then all of a sudden, you know, another kid comes in and, and he just refuses to read until they're nine. You know, it's like, or later, come out of the same people. Um, and yeah, or later, um, just different and appreciating their, um, their different senses of humor for kids. For completely different senses of humor, um, it's hard for me to keep up, you know. Uh, so that's that that's been one of the things this year of uh, you know having my mom living with us um, and and having her move out has has changed kind of the way the kids behaved for a while, and now they're starting to come out of their shells again. So it's, it's, so you've had some. Uh, changes over the past couple of years. You moved, you had deaths in the family, you've had medical challenges with your mom. So I would imagine that through all of those, you've discovered or implemented some routines and habits that have helped you through those days. Yeah, yeah. So just to kind of catch everybody up just a tiny bit, uh, my dad passed away a few years ago, and then shortly after that, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and moved in with us. Um, and then uh, when we realized that working in the oil industry in Oklahoma was difficult, um, we changed jobs, and my husband uh, started working for uh, Samaritan's Purse in North Carolina. So we moved out um, even further in the country into the mountains and bought a farm uh, with a beautiful deck and a mountain home with a beautiful view. And uh, my mom lived with us uh, and we've, we've been here a year um, and, you know, learning how to slow down and, and learning how to um, focus on family and, and, you know, my idea of homeschooling and how, you know, kind of how our routine was in Oklahoma was significantly changed with our move. Um, and my energy uh, was really reduced significantly with the addition of my mom in the home and her unpredictable behavior. And, um, and with that, I realized that I could not, uh, I could not obligate our family to like a weekly co-op or music lessons or uh, really even like we used to do up for basketball in Oklahoma, you know, in Edmond and uh, we would do the gauntlet where they would practice, you know, uh, two nights a week, all January, February games on Saturday. And it was the best time. We had the best time at it. I couldn't do that here. And so uh, one of the things that we implemented was a very specific routine uh, in the house uh, that didn't have to do with time more as process. And right. so it, you know, it didn't matter when we got up, 
you know, if we got up at nine, we started. If we got up at 10, we started. Um, and, but the one thing that we did do was um, lunches, breakfast together, lunches together, and dinners together. And then we started eating earlier so we could have an evening snack. Um, my mom needed those routines. She needed food to be put out for her. She needed the kitchen to be cleaned up for her. Um, and so we started taking on chores a little bit differently than we had at home. Because, you know, when it was just us, we could leave a sink full of dirty dishes. Right. Uh, but we discovered quickly that uh, grandma can't have dirty dishes because she doesn't know they're dirty. <laughs> so, you know, you had to just kind of keep things out of sight, out of mind. Um, and that was hard for a while because uh, when you go from being busy out of the house, to being obligated to be home and being busy in your home, it's, it's just different. It uh, is. And, and so we had to really learn to appreciate uh, the mundane. I mentioned this earlier. We had to really learn to appreciate the melancholy of just waking up, eating breakfast, cleaning it up, going to the table and getting our schoolwork done, coming back up for lunch, cleaning it up. In the afternoon, sometimes we would run an errand. We would do one thing a day, no more. I just I didn't have the energy to do more than one thing a day. So if I had to run into town and pick up a, something from Walmart, that was it. There was nothing else that could get done that day. And then we would come home and we would have dinner. I started making a meal plan for, for uh, four weeks at a time. I did all my grocery shopping in one day at Sam's and, and then, you know, we did the pickup. So I do it all online and pick it, you know. And so, you know, we started doing things where it literally was just, I just want a cup of coffee and go sit on the deck and just listen to the birds. And that would become relaxing. And as we started enjoying that, and making new friends, we would invite people over to the farm. We'd say, come on out. You know, we've got some animals and, and we've got lots of land. We go hiking on our property and, and uh, really just enjoying us. And that's so hard when you're so used to people pulling at you and serving. When you have a servant's heart to serve other people, um, as a mom, sometimes you don't feel like we're serving enough if it's just our family. Like we're... You know, we're not, we're, you know, we should be out in the community. We should be, you know, but I guess, you know, the Lord just really kind of whispered to my heart to be still and to slow down and um, just really enjoy the beauty of being. I would imagine you had a similar experience when my youngest was born. She was six weeks premature. And I distinctly remember when I was pregnant asking God, okay, you got to help us slow down. We're, we're my, my older daughter and I, who, okay, she was two. We were, we're out too much. We're, we're just, we're gone too much. And it was just fun stuff, like going to the park or meeting friends at the zoo. But it was still, it felt too much. And I look back now and I, I just laugh at my definition of too much. <laughs> but um, she was born six weeks premature. So, and she was born during the, um, where she would be young and vulnerable during the RSV season. So we couldn't go anywhere. And I remember one day saying, God, I didn't mean I wanted to be a hermit. Right. 
And so there's a mourning process because it's not what you think it, it's going to be, but there were a lot of good came out of it. It just, it was hard, I think, to get over that hump and come to the acceptance that this is good and good will come from this, but I have to embrace it first. Yeah. And, you know, um, years ago, I served uh, on a leadership group and they, uh, this, this particular church wanted to uh, serve a certain group of people in the community. And in order to do that, they decided to host like a, like a biscuits and gravy before church. Okay. So they set up a budget, they did it, they planned for it. And then, you know, they, they come in and they start making the biscuits and the gravy. And, and it, it's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. These, these people are coming in and they're being served and they're staying for church and they're hearing the gospel and they're being loved on by the, you know, the church body. And, um, and then I go to another leadership meeting and there's somebody complaining that these people are eating all the biscuits <laughs> and, you know, and that they're, they're coming in and they're kind of hanging out too long and they're, you know, they're kind of talking to you. And I just was like, you can't say that you want to serve the people and then be resentful that the people are here. Right. And that's kind of how I felt this whole time. Like I would say, okay, Lord, I just, I want to serve you, but not like this. You know, right. I want to serve you, but this is kind of boring. You know, this is, this is kind of um, like, I don't know what to do with myself, you know, and uh and really, I had, I just had to learn how to not be in other people's drama, not be, you know, I had to figure out what actually gave me energy because, you know, I, I'm one of those personalities that when I'm around other people, I get energized and, you know, and I, and when it's, I could have somebody come over here and sit in my living room and talk for three or four hours five hours. I had one lady who was here all afternoon one time. <clears throat> and when Mark got home, I was like, Oh, you've been here since noon. It's been five hours, you know? Um, and, and that, you know, learning how to just be in relationship with people when, you know, it's hard because for me, I like to do big things. I like to organize things and I like to pull people together. And I, you know, I'm a finder of things and a gatherer of people. And, and that's, you know, that is a gift that God has, you know, given me. But such is a time for this, you know. Right. Um, so it was really hard to enjoy because I'd be bored. And you're like, oh, well, I've, and, I, and, and it would be like, well, I've got plenty of laundry to keep me busy. Or right. plenty, plenty of dishes, but those are the kids' chores. You know, if I do them, then the kids aren't doing them. And what kind of message is that sending, you know? And, but then one day I just thought, I really want to do dishes. And I just went to the kitchen and I started doing dishes. And I thought, that feels warm. The warm water on my hands, the, the beginning of the dirty and the ending of the clean and the putting away and to start and finish a task. I forgot how therapeutic doing dishes was for me. And so it's about finding your joy where you are. Yeah, it, you know, it really is, and not comparing, but I find it fascinating that it doesn't matter what stage of life I'm in, you know, whether I'm living in a, 
a nice gated community or if I'm living out a farm in an older house in the mountains, um, there always seems to be something where the enemy is trying to steal that joy. And, and you know, the, the, the stealer can be comparison. It can be envy. You know, um, it can be just, you know, that uh, feeling like you've been shorted. You know, um, and it's just so crazy how now with my kids being older, you know, they're all like nobody needs help in the bathroom anymore. You know, they all know how to do their laundry, although two of them I discovered a couple days ago have not been doing their laundry. So, um, <laughs> so, so mom's been redoing some quality assurance with that task past couple of days. Um, but just really embracing the opportunity in the season you know that God sets before us um, and just being okay with um, like we have survival mode my parents were sick for you know my dad was sick and and now my mom um, for pretty much eight years of the last 10 years of our homeschooling and so you know we we get into this survival mode where it's like okay you guys need to do reading writing and arithmetic you got to you got to read and you gotta, you gotta, you know, write something, and you gotta, you gotta do some math. Um, and then we get into another survival mode where that's too much. Uh, you know, math is just—it's too much. It's too, you know, they're at a at a level where it's too complicated, and they just—they just need to take some time to let the new concepts absorb and stuff. So then we kick into a a Bible, a history, and a geography survival mode where, like, let's just sit down for an hour. We're going to read about some history, and then we're going to go do some things. You know, we're going to go. Uh, I talked about um, a little bit ago about how, you know, the area that we live in is uh, it's Boone, North Carolina, and it's named after Daniel Boone. And so I was able to, with the flexibility of our curriculum and, and using, I will use my father's world, and we've used it since the beginning, um, I have all the cycles. And so I was able to just go onto the shelf and pull out that teacher's manual that covered the period of time, you know, when Daniel Boone, and we just kind of started, and I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just pick this, and let's do this now, and, uh, and, and just enjoy it, and so, you know, was, uh, we can, we can go to our library that's about 10 minutes from our house, and walk the same trail that Daniel Boone walked, um, and, you know, having those experiences where we can take, um, you know, real life and, and turn it into a real living history for my kids is, is important uh, because we often get so busy that it's just book work that, it, you know, and uh, we've been, we've been living in this house for a year now and, um, you know, and the kids haven't really made any friends and I've made a few sections um, with people, but there's no real, uh, you know, we don't see people regularly every week and, you know, we're not involved in any, any kind of co-op or, or anything, any kind of regular lessons this year. Um, and so they really learned how to be in community with each other and how to encourage each other and support each other. And while they argue and they fight and they show their, you know, their real colors here at home, I see it when we're out. Like when we're out in the community and we're doing something together they are very respectful of each other. And they're very and protective, probably. 
and protective, but they're also very generous and kind to other people. And that is one of the things that um, I think this, you know, this past year of just living in survival mode, they really strive to um, kind of fit into a mold of, well, this is the expectations that my mom and my dad have of me, and I want to meet it, but I'm also nine, and also 11, and 14, and 16, and I also, you know, have all of, you know, these, these wants, technology, and gaming, and, you know, and, and so it's been a struggle. Um, but not one that uh, has been incredibly difficult. Um, it's been, when, we, when you only do one thing a day, you have a lot more time and energy to sit down and, and read. I think that was probably one of the neatest things was I'd come into the living room, and we have um, we have one living room that has no TV or anything. There's, there's nothing in it. It's just windows. And so you can see the mountains and and um, and it's just we have bird feeders and everywhere, and so there's birds and it's just beautiful. And I'll come into the living room; it's bright, and 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 there would be my kids sitting on the couch with Grandma, just reading to her. And you know, and that's one of the things that I always wanted for my kids was that they would have really great role models, and that they would have people who loved them in their lives. And being able to give them those opportunities in age where they'll remember it has been, I think, an incredible blessing and will be part of their testimony, I believe, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when they become adults and they choose whatever path they choose in life, um, that I think that, you know, having the opportunity to serve their grandma in a way where she's right there every day, um, you know, is... It, I, I believe that that's what God had called us to do. You know, that that was the season he called us into. Um, that didn't make it easy. It was still pretty hard because coming up with meals every single night <laughs> for a person who did not take home ec in high school was difficult. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to embrace and really live into the season that God's placing you in. And then you take that step back and you realize he's placed me here. He's going to get us through. He's probably preparing us for something in the future. And, and yet I have this struggle between acceptance and struggling with it. And it seems like it's just, it, it just goes back and forth. And I think that's normal and part of the journey is just that struggle and learning how to live in it. So this journey that you have walked with your children and you all have explored various aspects of grief and change and um, stability versus instability. And yet when you come to the end of it, you have that joy. And so how would you summarize what it is that you focus on to keep that joy? If you had to one or two statements to give to a new mom or a new homeschool mom, just what advice would you give her so that she can focus on that joy instead of focusing on getting the curriculum done? So 
one of the biggest things is, uh, I said it earlier, unmet expectations. And so one of the things that has really helped uh, Mark and I to keep our focus is to sit down and say, why do, why do we homeschool? Why are we homeschooling this year? And if you know the why, then the how and the where and the what and all that other stuff, it really just kind of falls into place. It may not look the way you think it should look, and that's unmet expectations. Um, but if you know the why, why are you homeschooling? For our family, we chose to homeschool because I felt like the public school system was changing my oldest child who had a heart for Jesus and he would come home from kindergarten questioning, questioning, why can't I do this at school? Why can't I pray over my meal? Why can't I, you know, why, why can't I hold hands and pray with my friend? Why, you know, and that, you know, when you start to see your four or five-year-old start to question, why are things different at school than they are at home? I mean, I just really took that to heart, and I prayed about it. And, um, you know, and my father's world was introduced to us. And, um, you know, the, the recording that I listened to of David Hazel was what 21st century Christians should be teaching their children. And it just happened to be the CD that somebody gave me to listen to about homeschooling. And I was just, um, I was so thankful that God had put those few people in my path. Because I'm a plan. I, I wanted to be a homeschool mom who was, I mean, a, a, a public school mom who, you know, who joined the PTA and, and helped with fundraisers and, you know, and enjoyed my day while my kids were at school. I wanted to be that mom. Um, but God, you know, just really kind of called me into being a lot more sensitive to, you know, what my opportunities were. And so, you know, every year we, we sit down and we talk about it. What, what's the goal? Why, why are we still homeschooling? Well, now we homeschool for a completely different reason than we did. Now we homeschool because our kids get to be our kids. And they get to be who God created them to be. Mine are at that age where their interests are starting to diverge a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they're really diving deep into their own interests. And that takes them off into a different room to explore it for hours at a time. And yeah. there are some days that I get a little lonely thinking, I haven't seen you enough today. We, we need to, we need to come, go have a snack and be able to talk a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Can we take a walk? You know, can we uh, out at the farm that, you know, it's, can I join you when you go take care of the chicken? Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, just hearing this, the journey that God has taken you on and you can find the joy in, on that path is such an encouragement. So I want to thank you. Um, I want to let the lis listeners know if they want to connect with you, if they have any questions or follow up for you, I'll have a contact um, form on my the show notes page on my website. And so if they want to send anything to you, they can do that. And then I will get it forwarded to you and they can connect with you that way. So thank you so much 
for joining me. Yeah, we'll see you later. If you're tired of feeling overwhelmed by everything you need to do as a homeschool mom, be sure to download my free Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Taming the To-Do List. You'll learn how to use four proven strategies to stop feeling overwhelmed and find rest. Go to triumphantlearning.com forward slash to do. I hope you found encouragement from this episode and are ready to face your homeschool day with confidence and gusto. You've got this. Until next time, have a triumphant day.